Uh, welcome back to the One Yard Short Podcast. Um, like we, as we hinted at in our last episode today, uh, we're doing some a special episode that does involve rookies. It's NBA rookies, and we're doing uh, full full player breakdowns on two two of the most the more highly touted rookies from last year's draft class. So I'm doing uh, Jalen Green, JG4, and uh, Eric, do you want to say who you're doing? I'm doing Austin Reeves. I did a curveball on you. <laughs> did you? I, I thought you were doing Mobley. You know, I really wanted to do Reeves, but since you picked a, a top three pick, I had to pick a top three pick. And I did pick Evan Mobley. Okay, I was about to say, I just said highly touted, and Austin Reeves wasn't exactly, wasn't exactly the most highly touted, but no hate. We love, we love a uh, freaking Austin Reeves. No, you don't. You hate Austin Reeves. I don't like the Lakers, but I do like Austin Reeves because he's a white killer. Don't have many. All right, let's get into the episode. <laughs> All right. Uh, do you want to start? Uh, how do how do we? Uh, how do you want to start this? Do you want to like go over offense, defense, what? Oh man, you did offense and defense. Oh man, Mobley's one of Mobley's most important is freaking defense. So. I I put strengths and weaknesses. Okay. Well, I did an entire freaking breakdown. So. So did I, but I just put strengths and weaknesses. All right. Nah, Did you want to offensive you... side and defensive side? Okay, that's that's fair. Uh, do you want me to go first? Or you want to go first? Um, we can go first. Um. All right. This is uh, freaking pretty in depth. So, uh, you know, Jalen Green, he was the second pick overall this last draft, and you know, a lot of people have been knowing and watching him so since high school, since he was probably either the the first or second best player in his class depending on where you looked at and he's always been he's always had the spotlight on him since his freshman year and he's shown that that hasn't affected him and he's uh developed both his offense and his defense over the years obviously so um on offense um the first thing you have to talk about is his athleticism you know he he's got bunnies he can jump out he can jump out the arena uh, I don't know exactly what his vert was, but just watching him play, you can tell just the sheer athleticism he has, you know, speed too. He's obviously got bunnies and that definitely has a lot to do with his offensive, just versatility. Obviously, like I said, crazy vert. And that allows him to finish through a lot of contact despite him not being, you know, the biggest guy. He's got kind of a skinny frame. Um he also jumps really high and releases his shot at a really high point, which allows him to get the shot over defenders. So that can make what would be tough, tougher shots for some players a lot easier for him. Um, he has some really crafty finishes at, around the rim. Um, obviously, he can stay up in the air for a while, so he can maneuver and change change his shot midair kind of. He he also does a lot of uh, he does some mid air passes, um, which is pretty impressive. Um, yeah, Ferd allows him to just mid air. He's a he's a quite versatile in the pick and roll. Um, that's where most of his assists come from. You know, he's a solid playmaker, 
And in the pick and roll, he's um, he's good at trapping the defender behind him and making the um, making the big make a decision. And so if he if he bites and comes up, then he'll hit the he'll hit the roll man. But if he if he stays back, he'll punish him and finish at the rim, um, which is a strength of his. Um, he's um, his passes off the drive. You know his kickouts are improving. It's over, especially in his time in the G League, he he had some of those. He does tend to take some erratic shots, which will come with being a a nineteen year old who's no, used to taking most of his team's shots. Um, you know, in terms of off ball. He has some off-ball gravity and movement, but that can definitely be improved upon. Um, he did do he does do well coming off screens off ball, and he uh, makes a lot of catch and shoot jumpers that way. And um, his potential as as like a pull up shooter or just like an off the dribble shooter is pretty pretty wild. But he just needs to refine his game in that category. Um, it's it's a lot of just shot taking and shot making he can get to his shot it's just the matter of making it um he's obviously a guy he's very athletic so he thrives in transition when he gets a rebound when he grabs a rebound he's looking to go 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 but and um that's where he thrives he's a really good transition passer and um obviously even when he doesn't have the ball in his hands he's a threat a lob threat and just a threat in general in transition um, um, like, uh, he's a, he's a solid, uh, ball handler. He can, he has the potential to be a primary ball handler if he improves his playmaking. Um, he gets to his shot. Well, it's just a matter of making some of these tough shots that he tends to make. Um, he can, he can improve as a passer and obviously improve as a shot taker. Um, in terms of his, uh, first step, he's quick. He's really quick in his first step. He's he's got long and lengthy strides, which helps him both driving and in transition. Um, overall, he needs refinement as a scorer, obviously, because he tends to take a lot of bad shots, and he's gonna have off nights and he, nights where he's like super off, like some of the games we've seen early, and he's gonna have some of the games where he's just hitting everything, and that's just how his rookie year is gonna be. But you gotta live with that, and you gotta get better as it goes and um i personally think from what i've seen from him offensively he has a he has a potential to be a future top five player in the league i don't know about top five but yeah near i i think he does because we we'll get to defense but uh uh uh, why don't you go ahead oh well all right oh my guy Ivan mobley from the University of Spoiled Children. <laughs> oh my God! Uh, sorry, I, you know, as a UCLA fan, we were born into uh, hating USC. It's our rivalry, right but yes, uh, Mobley standing in at seven foot, you know, with his weight of two fifteen, a little. That's one of his weak things. I was getting into, and with the wingspan of seven four, you know, that's what you want to see in a big man. Do this hair that I can't find is bothering me. All right, so I'm going to go with his college stats. One thing Jalen Green didn't have as he went to the to the G League route. In college, he averaged uh, – I found you. Um, 16.4 points per game with 
you know, as a big man, he averaged 8.7 rebounds a game. You know, as a big man, you know, this stat you really don't know like high on. But, you know, as Mobley's game evolves, you know, he will transition to as a playmaking big. He's standing at 2.4 assists per game in USC with only 0.8 steals. You know, you don't expect that from a big man. But he did have 2.9 blocks. Uh, in the paint as a big man. But, you know, some sometimes you will fail or not fail. You know, he had most of the ball at USC as he was their main player. Did struggle with some turnovers, but, you know, not as much as uh, only 2.2. Uh, field goal percentage, yeah, 59.8. You know, that's high as a big man. For three, you know, this is pretty high as a big man, but, you know, this is college. You know, people find it easier to shoot. He was shooting at he was shooting at thirty percent, at fairly good for a guy who plays a five. And free throws, you know, it's a great number out here. Sixty nine point four free throw percentage out there that will improve on, hopefully improves on. As you know, with this first nine games into the league, as a team that's heavily heavily uh, stacked on big men for some reason. He is averaging 33.3 minutes a game. That is very impressive, you know, as they took him as a third overall pick. But, yes, slight, um, you know, it's only nine games a season. Slight decrease in points per game that he's now at 13.3. Um, his rebounds didn't – he's still averaging eight. You know, that's that's good sign as he is, you know, obviously at the five – you have to maintain a good average of rebounds. Still, you know, this is fairly uh, average. You know, very good uh, comparison between his U- USC stats. He has 2.3 assists per game. Uh, he did improve on stealing so far, as it's only nine games to a season. He does have 1.1. But yet, um, as a big man in the league, you'll find it hard, you know, to uh, use your advantage of blocking. You know, especially at the weight of 215. You know, you're only averaging 1.3 blocks a game. But yet, now, since he doesn't really have, you know, the ball in his hands at most times, even though he is uh, trying to become the number one option for that uh, Cavs team, he decreased his turnovers per game so far as 1.8. He he has decreased in his field goal percentage, as you'll see, as most players transition to the NBA style level play. Not as much, you know. He did lose a percentage of eight on his field goals. He did lose a percentage of ten at the three point line. You know, one thing you hope for him, you know, as he develops his game coming into the league, especially as a modern big. You know, you see modern bigs now, not really, you know, you see this, not really the Shaq version. You see him more as, you know, uh, slim build, uh, three-point shooters, you know, especially good, you know, not good comparison, but, you know, good transition in the game. You see, Brooke Lopez was that style of, you know, don't, you know, I'm not saying Brooke Lopez is a god or anything, but <laughs> Brooke Lopez did transition his game from being into the paint, you know, so he can keep playing as in the NBA as him at three-point, as he can shoot three-point, the three-point ball now. Um one thing, you know, you hope to see this, you know, as you draft him, you really don't look at him, you know. People will try to always, they will always hack the five 
you know, right right now as we're looking, Mobley has increased on that. You know, seventy five percent, fairly good. You know, not like league's best, but fairly good, especially for a big man. You know, you really won't. They really won't hack him, as you can see as he increasing in uh, free throw percentage. Um, I'm gonna say the strength, and then I'm gonna pass it on to you, and then I'll I'll uh I'll go over the strength. Right. Um, when you return it, All right. So. There's his strength, you know, a uh, great rim protector, as you, as you see as his blocks per game. And uh, USC, you know, very uh, – his vers- um, yeah, um, you know, very good on and off ball defense. You know, as a big man, he, he has very good IQ, you know, especially playing at Pac-12. He really had to get the grades for some reason. You know, we're not like the SEC. We can allow .6 and still play. But yeah, yeah, very, fairly good IQ um, on defense as he uh, he intercepts the ball, you know, especially with his long arms as a wingspan of seven four, he can disrupt the passing lanes. Um, he does have a very good uh, offensive skill set. Um, he does lack some things, you know. He also has, and you can see with his assist assist point game, you know, you see his playmaking potential will increase, and then you know to be. To be a modern big in this NBA game, you will have shooting, and you can you can see his potential in shooting as is uh, hoping his consistency can uh, improve. And then uh, go ahead, Ben. Oh, uh, do you want me to go like over defense? I guess. Uh yeah, whatever you want. And then uh, I'm just right. passing if I don't go like talking okay. and talking, and then you leave me there. All right. Uh, defensively. Uh, Jalen Green, obviously, this goes back to athleticism. He's got really, he's got quickness on the defensive end. He's got quick hands. Um, a lot about him is just quick. He's quick enough to stay with guards, and he's he's about fit six five six six. Even though he's only one eighty, he's lengthy and bouncy enough. He can guard wings, but obviously, at the NBA level, he's going to need to be more. He's going to need to put on like 20 pounds um, to guard up a position, which will make him uh, much more. He'll probably lose like a couple in, an inch or two on his vertical, but he'll still have plenty of bounds. Um, he, like I said, this has to do with frame. He can get pushed around at times by bigger players, like bigger guards. Like you saw Westbrook push him around a couple times in the Lakers game. And, um, Obviously, that makes him not a great rim protector for a guard, but as he puts on more weight on his frame, he can definitely improve, especially with the amount of just pure athleticism he has. Um, he's a another guy He's uh, where he's thriving in transition. Uh, he also thrives in transition defense. Um, he's, a good, he's good at filling in his lane and just um, being a all-around solid uh, transition defender. Um, that also, like it always is always coming back to his athleticism. Um, he gets caught ball watching off ball at times, which is um, something that can be improved upon. Um, but that's something a lot of young rookies tend to do. And um, that uh, correlates with him kind of getting lazy off ball and getting caught ball watching. Um, he's a good on ball defender. He's a he pesters and doesn't get crossed up easily. You know, you see him. Um, even since his uh, high school and G League days, he was um, 
he was staying low, sliding, shuffling his feet and stuff like that. Just def- fundamentally sound defender. And he's um, obviously very, but um, he tends to get caught on um, a, a good screen. He tends to get caught behind and he doesn't know how to really snake around a screen. And sometimes he just takes the wrong paths on off ball screens. Um, he's overall a slight positive defender in my eyes, but definitely he'd become um, a very positive defender if he were able to um, put maybe 10 to 20 pounds of muscle on his frame. And um, yeah, that's, that's it for defense for me. All right. I'm build up on the shrimps. Um, you know, going into the rim protection uh, strength, you know, you know, fairly, fairly this is college level as uh, right now, you know, as you really can't compare this in 29 games into the season, you know, but in college, you know, he had a huge upside in the perimeter, you know, especially, you know, I really hated him when uh, UCLA um, would face USC as, you know, our main game was driving the lane. Um, but yeah, his perimeter defense is a, uh, very good, you know. He did average two point nine blocks, you know. And one thing, you know, blocks, you know, you're you're always up in the air, you know. You always get called for for fouls, but yeah, that's not in this case as of right now for uh for Evan Mobley. You know, he only averaged one point eight fouls a game last year in college. You know, that's fairly good as a perimeter defense as you're always getting attacked by these guards. Um, one thing, you know, because. With his long frame, at, uh, with the seven four wingspan, you will hardly see him jump. You know, even when he jumps, he has perfect timing with his IQ, his defensive IQ. Um, you always see him stay grounded. You know, using his uh, vertical to put his arms up to disrupt uh, the shot. Um, you know, he he does he does you know for his size, you know, on the defense for his size at seven foot, he does have some great speed on him. You know. Um, he has great reads, uh, very good IQ. Um, you know, like I said, you know, uh, dis- disrupts the passing lanes. You know, and one thing you teach on, and as you, you know, when you grow up, you know, the one thing main people see, or m- one thing main people, um, coaches talk to you about is looking at the hips when you play defense. You know, saying low, looking at the hips. He does fairly good at that movement as as uh, looking at the hips. You know, for me, you know, especially watching him. In college, you know, uh, going up against these guards, you know, him watching the hips, you know, um, you know, him doing very good watching the hips. At this, I can see with his speed, you know, obviously in the pros it's different, you know, as you get greater players, greater guards, but uh, you know, he can really guard from one one through five, you know, uh, especially in this game or this era in basketball, you know, you, you always see the pick. You know, they pick to, for the small guy to get the big guy, you know, drive right through him. Easy easy bucket down the lane. Um, um, you know, another strength, you know, I'm going into his offensive potential. You know, as you said, Jalen Green really thrives in the pick and roll. Um, that's one uh, strength Evan Mobley has uh, in the pick and roll. Um, you know, especially when you have a, a seven-foot guard, at the speed he has, and you do a pick and roll, he drives the lane, you know, especially at the frame of 7-4, you know, just toss that thing up there, he's going to come down with it. Easy easy for the guards, you know, um, easy for uh, Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, you know, for their game as 
you know, those are two uh, players you really see as uh, playmakers. You know, an easy frame, a little uh, one-two pick and roll, easy for them to lob it into a seven-four wingspan. You know, sitting at seven foot, easy for the alley oops. <laughs> and um, you know, as I say this for um the pick and roll, you know, it's college shot obviously. But have you seen? He was uh, top five, you know, sitting at four in the pick and roll uh, field goal percentage, as he had a fifty-six point eight in that department. You know, obviously number one was Drew Timmy. As uh, Drew Timmy, that guy, that guy was phenomenal last year for Gonzaga, especially his his uh, mustache. Oh, that thing is that thing sexy. Sexy. Um. Yeah, and I. Like I said, you know, this this type or this era of game, we really, you know, especially, um, you know, in my family, they watch the Laker game. You know, I was watch, watching there, seeing uh, Evan Mobley. And one thing that the Lakers are struggling in that game that really uh, it really thrived for Evan Mobley that game was uh, the pick and roll action. You know, Evan Mobley did have a career night that game as, you know, 29 games. You know, he did have dropped 20, 23 points and uh, they very – you know, they varied, uh, you know, with the guard. Um, they did a fairly good job in that against the Lakers. You know, as the Lakers, you know, they have pretty much slow feet. You know, most most people say as their age increases on that team, as they're like the highest age in the NBA, average age in the NBA. Um. You know, he does need to improve on some stuff, you know, especially for his frame. You know, um, one thing, you know, it's, it's a straight for now as he does have the the hook shot in his uh, development, you know. But – and then um, and then as that is his main strength, I'll get into why that's a weakness later on in a little bit. But yeah, um, and then that's about it for all the strengths. Go ahead, Ben. If you have anything else on Jimmy. Um. I'll do like some overall player summary, and I have a couple. I have some comparisons for him, like NBA and what I think his ceiling and floor is. You know, um, um, overall, like I said, I I think he has unlimited potential as a scorer. It just all depends on how his game develops. You know, last year in the G League, um, a lot of the concerns about him were he's he was 18 years old last year, and he was playing with two other three other um top prospects and a bunch of old got older vets so the one of the questions was could he slow his game down because in high school one of his critiques was um he's always he's always playing fast he's always got a um he's like an athletic guy who always tries to play fast always always on the go kind of like rj hampton has been in the nba you know he's always he's always fast trying to go trying to go and the one of the nuances and questions about uh, Jalen's game was could he slow could he slow the pace down and play in a half court setting and last year and in the game in the games he's had he showed that he he can do that and I think that has a lot to do with his um, offensive potential if he can further develop his half court game while also continuing to thrive in transition um, like I mentioned a lot of his assists come out of the pick and roll and in transition which are um he had, I think he averaged like five assists in the G League, and um, he's he's an okay passer that can definitely be improved as he becomes more of a primary ball handler. But I think 
um, a good NBA comparison for um, pass, him passing-wise that I think he could be is like a Devin Booker type, where especially now that they have CP3, CP3 is obviously going to be the top passer on that team, but Devin Booker can be a secondary passer and a like a primary scorer, that type of role for um, in terms of how Jalen Green can play. Um, overall, he just needs refinement as a scorer. Uh, you know, in the G League, he had a 60% true shooting percentage last year, and he shot like 35 or 37% from three, I think it was. So, obviously, playing against NBA-level competition, he didn't have much trouble shooting the ball. But, obviously, NBA is a step up from G League, so he definitely needs to – he needs to start taking – he has to take shots to make shots is what – is what needs to be said about him right now. You're going to see games where he goes like, I don't know, five for 20 from the field or like four for four for 22 or whatever. But he needs to take shots to make shots. And that's how he's that's how he's going to get better. And that's how he's going to improve as a scorer and just as a player in general. Overall, he's a solid defender who um, a lot of his improvement on that end relies on him putting more putting more weight on his frame. Um, that's pretty much all I have to say about his defense. Um, overall, I think a good comparison for him right now in terms of I think he's in the next couple of years, he's going to be a Zach Levine-esque player where he has crazy athleticism. But Zach Levine has developed into an excellent three-point shooter. Like, coming into the league, he was just, like, a guy who's just like, oh, yeah, he can jump really high. He's the highest vert ever recorded in the NBA combine. But he's developed into an excellent three-point shooter, both off the catch and off the dribble. And that's how I think Jalen Green can be um, in, as he develops his game and climbing to his peak. Um, I'll start with um, – actually, I'll let you go with some of Mobley's weaknesses, and then I'll get to my ceiling and floor for – Jalen Green. All right, just a few weaknesses on uh, Evan Mobley's side, as I as I uh, implemented here. You know, one uh, is uh, one main big one, as I talked about, is the strength of the hook the hook shot. Yes, but one main one is uh, traditional post scoring. You know, as you see in the NBA, you know, uh, very excellent, good uh, five big men, or like the the fifth role. And on the team as a big man, you know, you see them. You know, you think of people like uh, Valachunas, you know, he excels at this. Uh, Vucevic excels at this as as a post scorer, you know. There's one thing, you know, it's kind of hard as as the weight he has right now on him, you know, to to back down uh, the five, like the five spot right now as uh, to develop that traditional post scoring. But there's one thing he will need to work on as a – as you really can't rely on the hook shot, you know, at all times, you know, sometimes you, you got to back, back the number five up. Um, uh, you know, another one, you know, just another one from his weakness. Only have uh, fairly two written down. Um, another one is his, his shot consistency, as I talked about earlier, you know, especially, like I said, nowadays, um, the five, you know, sometimes will be be um, accountable to shoot as a way the game has, is changing. Um, you know, um, but you know, 
him shooting at 30% in uh, college. You know, it was fairly good as a big man. You know, you, you're not really seeing a big man who can shoot like 50%, you know, 70%. You know, not really much guard shoot at that level. You know, we just need – mean his consistency to get higher, you know, just to be a reliant factor on sometimes as, you know, as his game of a – as a, the pick-and-roll star, um, as he excels at that, you know, just to be able to uh, pick a roll on the corner and just – leak him out in the corner, you know, you fairly find, you know, a top five always open in the corner for some reason. Or on top of the key, you know, as you just uh you pick right there and you just stay there and you know have your guard do the guard needs. And and you know that's just two of the things I see Evan Mobley needs to work on his game. Uh did you have any comparisons for him, like NBA comparisons? Oh yeah, but that, that's my last thing. You can go with uh, your ceiling. Okay. Yeah. Um, for my floor for him, um, I have Andrew Wiggins. You know, Andrew Wiggins was another another guy who had crazy athleticism that just needed consistency coming out of um, college. And obviously, he was really hyped up, and obviously hasn't lived up to that hype. But Andrew Wiggins is still a solid NBA player. His problem has always been an inconsistent sh- jump shot, and that's still his the root of his problems. And um, um, I don't think Jalen Green is going to be Andrew Wiggins. I think Jalen Green is going to be a lot better than Andrew Wiggins because I'm really high on Jalen Green. I'm probably higher on him than most. For his ceiling, I've heard a lot of people make the the comparison of Kobe Bryant. And while I think that's like a fair – like play style comparison i don't think he's gonna be that good i'm still very high on him but i don't think he's gonna be you know the level of player and impact that kobe had i think a good comparison for him is like a a tier lower than kobe which i would consider his absolute ceiling to be like a prime a prime t-mac type you know who's really a lanky a lanky six five six six guard who who's a great shot taker and shot maker. He's got really crazy athleticism and he's a, he's a really solid defender, really good defender. And just overall um, like a great number one, number one scoring option, number two playmaking option. That's like, I think that's his feeling. That's probably higher than most, but I don't care. I'm high on him. As you said, uh, Kobe, you know, I hate when uh, people try to compare anybody to Kobe. Yeah, you know, I, Kobe, I don't like Kobe. Kobe was just a different breed, as you know. Um, he, you know, as you hear it, as in especially in the Chris Bosh, when he got enshrined into the to the Hall of Fame. You know, Chris Bosh tried to, you know, he showed up early to a workout. Like he said, he tried to show up to a workout. He tried to be the first one there, but yet, um, especially you know. And the Olympics trying to win gold, you know, this was coming off um, Kobe losing um, in the finals uh, like a month before, and Kobe was already already cooling his knees off, you know, he already had a full workout. You know, yes, you you try to compare people to Kobe because um, like his, you know, as his scoring ability and that, but this is like. Um, Every every time you know, especially when they made that comparison with you know Devin Booker trying to be in with them, that it, was it's just dumb. You know, yeah. Don't don't get me wrong. Devin Booker is a great player, um, but yet 
you'll never see another Kobe in this lifetime. Just because Kobe was he really, um, you know, he really, yeah, I'm trying for that. You know, his, you know, his off court was, was, you know, you see Kobe, you know, like great on court, but yet his off court was where his main strength was at. Yeah. As, yeah, and then like you see, you know, generation, you really don't see people who have that drive like Kobe did. And, it, you know, I, Kobe, you know, that's my go, you know, you know, um, you know, other, you know, go conversation, you know, it's a wide range, you know, that's my go because I got to live with a great play, uh, person, like, or not live, I got to watch a great person, Kobe, and, uh, and no one can match his, his drive that he had. Yeah, I, I don't think there, are, there's never going to be another MJ, there's never going to be another Kobe, there's never going to be another Braun. Um, they're all, they're all three, they're off court impacts. We're just like they're un unattainable and unmatchable, you know. MJ, he he made the game worldwide, and like nobody nobody's ever gonna have the chance to do that again because it's already been done. MJ, I mean, the NBA was like not nothing, not I don't want to say nothing, but for lack of a better term, almost nothing like worldwide before MJ, and when MJ came in and just like popularize the game he the nba just shot up in popularity and when mj kind of handed the handed the um torch the torch to kobe um he just further popularized the game for the most popular franchise in the nba at the time he popularized the nba further and you know lebron and kobe kind of played at the same time and lebron's culture and impact not only not only um, off the court, but in his community has just been like unmatched. The, I mean, as much as I don't like the dude on the court, off the court, he's a, he's an amazing dude, and he just does so much for his community. And so, I don't think there's ever going to be anybody like those three. You know, we're going to see obviously some other great players, and who knows, maybe maybe somebody comes along someday that's going to be better than all three of them. But um, there'll never be in terms of cultural off court and on court impact there'll never be another another of those three yes i agree on that and uh you know just to finish off the mmov thing um my comparisons are you know this is one big you know he is a hall of famer uh you know he did play he did play in canada some time and then went and took his challenge to south beach created a team with lebron Got some championship under his belt, uh, and like I said, enshrined in this, uh, in this, um, in this uh, ballot in the twenty twenty two ballot. Um, one compare or twenty twenty one, yeah, twenty twenty one, um, twenty twenty one ballot. You know, one comparison as of right now, you can see Evan Mobley as you know Chris Bosh. You know, as Chris Bosh, you know. Um, you know, I'll say this comparison, you know, because Chris Bosh and him, you know, they're similar. Um, Chris Bosh was, you know, that, that tall, skinny five, uh, kind of, you know, you will say scrawny, as scrawny because, you know, you know, you see the five as, you know, um, he did play with Shaq, 
you know, Shaq was just a freak of nature. Yeah. Um, and then you see him as grinding, you know, and his ability to shoot when needed to come upon, you know, Evan Mobley will develop his trait into that. You know, and his ability to uh, of defense, you know, Chris Bosh really excelled at that defense part. You know, especially in in, uh, in Toronto, as you know, he was a main star up there. And uh, you know, his post game, um, Chris Bosh's post game was um, coming into the league was limited. You know, he did have, you know, the assets around him. You know, especially with you know another comparison with Mobley as. Um, Mobley has the asset of the hook shot as of right now until he, he develops his traditional post scoring, and then you can also you know you can also see, um, you know his his uh, lowest ceiling you can tell by me you know is uh, Jahil Okafor. You know Jahil Jahil Okafor, you know coming into the league, you thought, you know being the top three pick just like Evan Mobley, you know everybody thought he was gonna um, rock the world. You know, as that, you know, he's gonna be that that new big man everybody saw. You know, and um, you know, as Juhu Okafor career went on, you know, give or take the team he was playing on, but um, you know, he really didn't really didn't like shine out of like anything promise coming to the league. You know, he did he did have a shot sometimes. You know, very inconsistent. Um. And then, you know, but high ceiling right now, I see him at, you know, as these these two, you know, in college, you know, there's only two to do it. Um, and that is to win their conference uh, player of the year at, with freshman player and defense player of the year all in their conference. You know, the other one to do that is, you know, Anthony Davis. Um, his That's his highest, you know, Anthony Davis. You know, he is, you know, he has developed into that five role, you know, really great in New Orleans. You know, he did, he, he moves his talent to L.A., made the made it shine bright, brought a championship. But, yeah, Anthony Davis, you know, he is, he is that guy that gives you the defense perimeter as he was second uh, behind in the, the 2020 NBA season behind uh, Jonas for defense for the year. You know, Anthony Davis will give you the three ball. You know, something Evan Mobley game will transition to Anthony Davis, you know, especially with now as Westbrook, as his teammate who excels at this, you know, LeBron really excels at this as the pick and roll offense. You know, Anthony Davis uh, excels at that. And then, you know, Anthony Davis, you know, like again with the people he has around him, you know, Anthony Davis will finish a lob, you know, something Evan Mobley is looked upon. And uh, and and uh, Anthony Davis, you know, coming to the league, you know, he was that small frame too, only at six uh, ten. So, you know, people, you know, only, you know, very young age coming in, just like Evan Mobley, you know, he was that scrawny, unibrow kid. Um, and you know, people thought they'll they'll punk him around, but yeah, Anthony Davis developed his uh fatigue bigger now in the NBA. He he developed his uh post scoring. No, he's very good. You know, I want you know, he is uh, you know, for a big man, he you know, he's one of the best to be able to, to do it at that post scoring. Um, he did coming in, he did have that hook shot too, you know, something Mobley has. And uh he he will create, you know, just like Anthony Davis as uh the traditional post scoring. 
that that's who I have the highest ceiling to. You know, you can even make the comparison of him, uh, of Anthony Davis. But yeah, you get the comparison of him and uh and a Hall of Famer and Chris Bosh, and it, it's that's what who I feel that fits him right now. Yeah, those guys, uh, like Anthony Davis, you saw him on the 2020 Lakers. He was the, the defensive number two, offensive number one. And there are tons of examples throughout NBA history of that happening. You know, you see guys like Kevin Garnett, Bill Walton, even late late Kareem, uh, all those guys that were like the number one defensive option on their team and the number two offensive option. And, you know, like you said, Mobley has that um, – Mobley has that uh, that type of potential in him, but anyways, um, uh, should we talk a little bit about the college football rankings or? Oh man, you really want me to rage here, bro? Uh, it'll be it'll be short, and then all right, all right. okay. Well, um, obviously, not a lot of people liking liking these rankings. I I think everybody likes Georgia at one, obviously. Um, where the problems start is Bama at two because that's really saying a lot to everybody. It's kind of a – it's just kind of a screw you to everybody. We want our brand instead of putting in the team with the resume. You know, Bama's – and they put they put Texas A&M high so they could make Bama's loss look better. And obviously Oklahoma's not a not a – I think they're kind of a – a bit of an overrated team by some, but they do not deserve to be at eight. They're nine and zero, and Bama is seven and one. That shows that the committee is saying that lo- losing close games to bad teams is worse than I mean, not losing all like having close games with bad teams that Oklahoma has had all year, like with you know West Virginia, Kansas, all those teams. Having close games with those teams is worse than losing to an SEC team, which is just terrible, terrible, terrible. It shows that all they care about is their brand and that all all they care about is the revenue. And that's a, this is yet another reason for a, a 12-man playoff because uh, another case is Oregon and OSU. Some people think OSU should be higher. I think you're stupid because Oregon has the head-to-head against them. But, um, like, Oregon is not getting punished for almost losing to teams like, you know, Cal and even UCLA. They're not getting punished for almost, like, having close games with those teams. And yet Oklahoma is getting punished, and so is Cincinnati for having close games with Navy and Tulane and stuff like that. And those those two teams are getting punished for having close games with those teams, and yet Oregon and Alabama are not, and that just doesn't make much sense to me. Yes, I agree with you. You know, especially with these teams, you know, multiple teams who are still undefeated. You know, it's you know you get multiple teams who are undefeated, and then those multiple teams are out of the top four. Um, you know, um. You know, you know, you know. You also said it as an Oregon fan. You know, they're not really being punished. You know, and you are an Oregon fan. Um, you know, especially, you know, um, yes, MSU just came off on a on a big win against Michigan. But yeah, 
you know, then, then put them at four. You know, I really think Oregon should be out of the top four as of right now. Um, you know, you still have Oklahoma who's undefeated, and then give it, you know, um, Ohio State's still undefeated. You know, it will come from the given weeks. Um, you know, they took out Cincy, who has been, you know, holding the number two spot for several re- for several re- weeks. You know, Cincy coming into um, this uh, college football, they were ranked at eight, I believe, or six. You know, they maintain, they've been maintaining their spot, you know, to take them out that quick. Um, you know, they even have Michigan, you know, coming off a tough loss. You know, have them over Oklahoma. Who Oklahoma, who has been in the top five for basically, you know, the entirety of the college football uh, season, you know, they have them down at eight. You know, you you know, you probably see uh, them moving down to eight, you know, because they don't have the big name Spencer Rattler at QB anymore. You know, Spencer Rattler is in in this. You know, you probably see them uh, in the top four. You know, because as Oklahoma, they're always that team that the committee loves. Um, um, no, oh, shoot. you did, you did mention that Texas A&M coming in, they're putting them higher for the Alabama sake. Um, you know, obviously I believe, you know, I believe, um, uh, um, Kentucky should be ranked higher in this, especially, you know, don't get me wrong, Texas A&M, you know, a good team. But just because they're trying to make Alabama um, not feel the pressure, uh, like you said, from losing to that team, you know, even though they're unranked at that point when they lost. You know, I, you know, I do love them giving some love to Fresno State. You know, as mm-hmm. we talked about uh, the week before where I said Fresno State um, will be San Diego State. You know, every thought highly of San Diego State. Um, but one thing – you know, I really don't like. And then who's, you know, the first four out, you know, I really feel like the first four out should be in, you know, most of the teams, especially close to Carolina. Yep. Knew that was coming. It's true. <laughs> it's true, though. It's true. And um, I also want to add something else. Um, you know, I'm not saying Wake Forest should be in the top four right now. They obviously shouldn't. But and same and Cincinnati should be. But you slap a Clemson logo on Wake Forest or Cincinnati, and they're the they're the number two team in the country. But since Wake Forest is a small school in the kind of middle of nowhere, North Carolina, and Cincinnati is in the American Athletic Conference, they're the number six team and the number nine team, respectively. So, and I wholeheartedly think that since Clemson gets in every year as an undefeated ACC champ, if Wake Forest wins undefeated the ACC, I wholeheartedly believe that they should get in because they should get the same treatment as Clemson and everybody should get the same treatment. Like Clemson, obviously, they do- they've dominated the ACC for the past six, seven years. They get in to the college football playoff every single year winning the ACC with a a 12 and 0 or 11 and 1 record. If Wake Forest doesn't get that treatment then that's just showing that all the all the committee cares about is brand. And if Cincinnati wins the AAC, which they're going to and they're going to win out, if they win out and don't make it in, 
then that just further proves that all they care about is brand because that's just heinous to keep them out. And I'm going to say this, if Ohio state gets in over Oregon, then that's like Oregon controls their own destiny now because they're in the top four. And don't get me wrong. I love that. I don't think they should be in the top four, but I love that we control our own destiny now because we've actually been playing to our potential lately, but like, OSU and Oregon, they should be like, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. But anyways, my point was that all the committee cares about is brand because if like Cincinnati or Wake Forest or like if Alabama was Auburn, then they would be ranked like 10. If Auburn was 7-1 with one loss against Texas A&M, then they would be 10th in the nation right now. But since it's Alabama, they're number two, that which is just terrible. And then uh, you saying that you know, um, um, I'm gonna bring up Oklahoma again because you know, um, that you know Oklahoma is they're undefeated and they have a at eight. You know, no one in in their conference will match up to Oklahoma's potential right now, you know, especially with Caleb Williams behind behind center. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you give or take, you know, maybe Baylor will. Um, but yeah, you know, they even have Baylor here at twelve, you know, Oklahoma State at eleven, you know. But yeah, you're you're gonna have the undefeated person of that conference near them at eight when you have, you know, Baylor and Oklahoma State with losses. At 11 and 12, you know, it's just not right. You know, you have Michigan who just lost. Um, you know, um, I really don't want to say it's a brand, you know, for Oregon. You know, having around four, you know, obviously, you know, as a very, like, um, like I, I'm really high on this person, you know, especially with Ben and Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, you know, I really don't want to see them um, using Kayvon Thibodeau as the brand to have Oregon in the top four. You know, because that's not what Kayvon Thibodeau is, like, known for. You know, I really don't want them, you know, especially haters coming on and, like, all oh, they just – they want to orient the top four before we can see Kayvon Thibodeau in the playoffs. Um, yeah. But, yeah. But, yeah, you know, everybody riding on Desmond Ritter, you know, we all want to see Desmond Ritter in the playoffs. Um, You know, um, mostly underdog people want to see Desmond Ritter in the playoffs. With Sauce Gardner, you know, highly um, one of the best DBs in the nation. Mm-hmm. And, but, yeah, they leave him out because, of course, Alabama needs to have their shine. You know, I'm, I'm surprised they didn't put Alabama at one. As yeah. they always do this year. Yeah, but um, uh, don't get me wrong. Oregon, Oregon would get clapped by Georgia by 20 at least. I'm I'm willing to say that because it's true. Only a truly elite offense is going to score against the Georgia defense. And a big a bigger game changer than people think is today Adam Ray, Adam Anderson got charged with um SSA. We're not going to say anything cuz that's just yeah for like sensory reasons I guess, but um he got charged with you know and um that and he's been suspended by Georgia, so um, if that's true and he's like out for the remainder of the year, that's that's pretty big for Georgia because he's their top pass rusher, 
and obviously their defense is still going to be the best in the nation. But obviously their pass rush is going to suffer from him being out. And while it's still going to be elite, it's not going to be as elite. So teams like um, like teams that have elite offenses have have a chance against Georgia now because Adam Anderson was that type of impact player for Georgia, especially on the pass rush end. So, um, yeah, definitely um, – Definitely a big a big loss for Georgia if these charges are true. Um, definitely. You know, when you told me the news today on him, you know, um, I told Gio and even Gio was like, damn, you know, then losing him, you know, that's, that's very big for that defense. Yeah. And um, he was going to come up because this is obviously a strong, strong edge rusher clash. And he hit class. Jesus, I can't talk. And, but um, he was going to come up in probably like, you know, the first round. And if he if he really threw that all away for something that, dumb, you know, even more common nowadays, you know, with the whole Henry Rugg situation and a lot of the a lot of the things that have been happening. You just see a lot of athletes throwing away millions of dollars by making stupid decisions, which is just, it's sad to see, but it's also just infuriating to see for most people, if not all people, because, you know, these dudes are millionaires. They have all the talent in the world and they're getting, they're getting criminal charges and doing stupid stuff that just not even normal people should be doing. And much less athletes who are making millions of dollars for playing the the sport they've been playing their entire life. So it's just ridiculous. And one thing before uh, we go, also on the community or on Cincinnati, you know, maybe the community sees Cincinnati not uh, facing, you know, high-level talent, you know, in the wins. But yet, at their number 10 rank, they have Notre Dame. And Cincinnati, in the season, beat Notre Dame by 11. Mm Mm-hmm. So, Alabama, uh, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. Alabama has not. If they're gonna put Notre Dame that high, that's fine. Alabama has not has not beat somebody like Notre Dame. Bama almost lost to Florida, who who's not that good, uh, but they were two point conversion away from tying with them, and so we're gonna punish. We're going to punish Oklahoma and Cincinnati and all these other teams for playing for playing bad against bad teams, but we're not going to punish Alabama for playing bad against a bad team. That doesn't make sense. Exactly. The committee's stupid. Yeah, but that's just that's just how it's going to be. It's just yet another reason why we need to expand to a, a 12-man because that just – that just makes the margin of error so much bigger for the for the committee because they can put their brands in, they can put Alabama in, whatever, if they really desire to, they can put Alabama in. And most years, Alabama has deserved it. I think we can all agree that Alabama, in terms of talent, is probably the second or first best team in the country. But in terms of how they've actually played and their resume, they're not the second te- best team in the country. And the committee seems to pick not only by brand as we've mentioned but also just by like who they think is better which is not how it's supposed to be because it's supposed to be based on resume and not 
talent level because if talent level is up there, then Oregon would not be in the top four and freaking OSU would be number three and MSU wouldn't be there. And like somebody else would be number four. I don't know whoever you want to put in number four, but it would just be stupid because we can all agree that OSU is probably a better team than Oregon. And we can all agree that, you know, Oklahoma is a better team than Oregon and Michigan's a better team than Cincinnati in talent level. But it's all about it's about resume and that's how it's supposed to be and they're playing it by brand and by um who they think is better which is yet another reason we need to expand <clears throat> okay there buddy yeah that was that was a lot but that was that needed to be discussed um anyways um we were going to do what, uh, like some draft stuff next video, the NFL draft or episode. Why do I always say video? Oh, you're a weirdo. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but uh, maybe like a big board or I don't think we'll do a mock draft yet because it's a little too early for that. But uh, maybe we'll do like our top 25 prospects or something like that. I don't know. But anyways. Do you have anything else to say or talk about or anything? Uh, let's go, let's go, Usman. Oh yes, go Usman. Freaking, he's gonna freaking knock Covington out. And hopefully Canelo gets knocked out. I really hate Canelo. So oh my know. gosh, I I was gonna mention that, but I was like, now nah, we're not gonna. Uh, let's be honest. Whenever because. If Canelo fights in the if Canelo fights Usman in the MMA, Usman's destroying him. But if Usman okay. fights, if Usman fights Canelo in boxing, it's not going to be pretty. Okay, why are you mentioning this? Because, oh, did you not see the news that Kamara said Kamaru said that um he would fight Canelo in boxing. No, no, I didn't see that. You didn't see that? I thought you—that's. I thought that's why you brought up Canelo. No, I just hate Canelo, and he's fighting this week. So yeah, I know he's fighting, but I thought that's why you mentioned him. No, I just hate him. <laughs> you don't like Canelo? No, not one bit. Oh, whatever. Well, I uh, guess you do, huh? No, I just know that right. Canelo would knock him out in boxing. Right, I, was, I was a Triple G fan. Still am. Oh, well, you're a Wilder fan, so you don't have an opinion. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wilder is the number two heavyweight in the country. Number, who's number one? Who's number one? The guy that kept seeing after a 12-round fight. The, who's number one? The guy that kept seeing after a 12-round fight. There's only it's, one person that can ever do that. It's Tyson Fury. Mike Tyson died, bro. Well, he's not dying, but he's not even a thing. Tyson, 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 Fury. Oh, who's Fury's beat him? Movie. Who's beat him? How many times? How many times has he beat Wilder? Twice. That's what I thought. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okay, I'm, you're, you're making it seem like I said Dante Wilder over Tyson. Yeah, I know. I'm just doing it to piss you off. <sighs> but if you say Triple G over Canelo, then yeah. Yeah, hopefully, but. Uh, yeah, anyways, um, uh, I think that'll uh, do it for this episode. Hopefully, we'll get our draft thing done because 
NFL draft season is the best season, so. Where's the draft at this year? I don't know. Hopefully, like, uh, I feel like it's in, like, L.A. or Vegas. Uh, no, it was in Vegas last year, but anyways. Yeah, it was in Vegas. Okay. You see right. when uh, they want to make, uh, like, three spots? That's kind of weird. That's weird. I don't like that. It's got to be one spot where everybody's walking up. And not everybody can boo the commissioner. He can't be at all three places. We all have to boo the commissioner. It's a draft season tradition. I sit in his chair now. Everybody got to sit in his chair. <laughs> yeah. All the all the draftees get to just sit in his chair. <laughs> that was funny. I said, you know, people go to the chair. They try not to pick. It's amazing. That chair I want to see lazy boy. Though. I would I, I would want to get drafted just so I could sit in the chair. You don't have to get drafted. You just have to name the pick. <laughs> yeah. Let me name the pick for sitting on a lazy boy. <laughs> that I mean, I'll even, I'll even say the, the freaking New York Jets pick if I get sitting on a lazy boy. I'll say the freaking 49ers or Ravens pick. I don't care. That was so random. 49ers, Ravens. Well, I, those are my know. like two least favorite teams. So, oh, oh, I just said the sorriest team. Well, how much are they getting people right now? I don't know. They lost Mike White, so that's why they're losing. Uh, oh, it's thirty to forty-five. Jesus. Oh, that's pretty close. Hey, did uh Michael Carter score? I need Michael Carter score. Uh, no, he did not. But Jonathan Taylor has two <laughs> touchdowns. Let's freaking go! And Michael and Michael Pittman has a touchdown. My fantasy team is doing very, very well. It's right open, now. Mama. Oh, uh, at least Michael Carter has like eight points. So that's yeah, good. that's right. good for non for non Yeah. Anyways, uh, hi Gigi. Oh, Gigi. Gigi on the Gigi's coming on the podcast for our next guest. She's going to do a full in depth. Um, NFL video or episode, so I was talking to Ben. Say hi, Ben. Hi, Ben. Hi, Gigi. You said hi. All right. Okay, um, shine up. Gigi, uh, <laughs> Gigi's gonna do the outro. So okay, Gigi, say bye. <laughs>